welcome to the City Point Church podcast. Thanks for joining us. Every day is an opportunity to take hold of. So we hope this message inspires you and builds your faith, that it helps you have more of a God perspective for your day. Enjoy. Thank you. You can take your seats this morning. I am so excited about preaching in this theme. If you are joining us for the first time this month, uh, as a church, we're in a theme that we did last year and it was so successful, received so well, answered so many questions for so many people on things we don't normally talk about. And so this year we've decided to jump back in for two months again with our amazing theme, Elephant in the Room, where we chat about some of the things maybe in the world, or maybe some of the things in the church that we don't normally like to talk about, or maybe, maybe in fact we are actually talking about them, but in the wrong spaces, which is exactly what my message is about this morning. And um, if you've missed any of the messages in our themes so far, you want to go on to Podbean or any one of our forums in which you can go back and uh, have a little listen to that. It deals with maybe some of the things you might be dealing with right now, like should a woman preach in church? That was message one in our theme. I suppose this is the answer. (laughs) But if you want to go back and listen to that great message uh, that John brought in our first week, should a woman lead in ministry or preach from a platform. That's a wonderful uh, message that we launched with in this series. And of course, Gray preached last week an amazing message, Does Christianity Fix Me? Will this journey in Christianity fix me? Amazing message. If you've missed either of those, can I encourage you, jump on to Podbean, have a listen. But we're going to delve into today's uh, message straight away, which is uh, a hot topic It's a hot topic because we're all talking it all the time. And I'm going to say we're all talking it because I'm pretty sure that when we really get down into this, not one of us wouldn't put our hands up and say, that's me. So today, before I even launch the theme or the title of my message, I know that Gray always does a repeat back and it's incredibly spiritual, but I'm going to ask us today to say, this message is for me. Can you say it? I'm not going to listen to it on behalf of somebody else. I'm going to do my best to not think who this would be good for. You know it. You do it. Don't we do it? Go, oh, this would have been great if such and such had been here today to listen to this message. Would have fixed them. We've all thought it. You know it. I'm going to listen to this message today for me. That's what I'm going to ask you to do. Gene Edwards, the writer of A Tale of Three Kings, begins his book, an amazing book. If you've never read it, you want to read that book. He begins it with that disclosure or this challenge. You're going to be tempted to read this book thinking about other people. But can I challenge you today? Would you take this word on and say, this message is for me? I'm putting my hand up this morning to say that this message is for me. I have been hugely challenged while preparing this message, but I think that it isn't so important because the truth is, is that when I, I've been in ministry for a lot of years now, maybe if I start to tell them, you're going to put together how old I am, but I have been in church my whole life. 
And I would say that probably in church, I've maybe heard a message on this once. I have. I think it was at a youth camp. Um, But the truth is, is I do believe we should be talking about it more. And so my title today is Let's Talk About Talking About It. I'll let you absorb that title and maybe you'll get the theme of what I'm going to share this morning. Let's talk about talking about it and remind ourselves this message is for me. Gossip is contagious. It is one of the best strategies the enemy uses to divide us as Christians. It plays on the small and sometimes large thoughts we already have in our heads and tempts us into engaging further, into further discussions that not only do us harm, they do others harm. No one really is immune from being sucked into it, especially Christians. We are just as, if not more, vulnerable to and susceptible to engaging in conversation that can quickly become hurtful to someone else or to Christian faith. Here are the things to keep in mind when we talk about the spirit behind gossip, which is what I'm speaking on today. The elephant in the room. The thing everybody's doing, but nobody's talking about it. All right? This is the spirit, or this is what we must keep in mind in the spirit behind gossip and how to respond in it as a believer of Jesus Christ. Gossip is talking about someone in a negative way that could lead others to do the same. It is most often intentional and meant to damage someone's credibility or reputation or simply point out the faults or sins of another. While you might think that gossip is restricted to the mean girl movie at school or in playgrounds or in disgruntled workers in an office, gossip is everywhere, even in the church and in Christian circles and in life groups and in cafes after church services. Actually, I'd like to say that gossip might actually be the worst among Christian circles. Yes, I know this is probably going to ruffle a couple of feathers this morning, but speaking the truth usually does that. Oftentimes, we need to call out, uh, we need to call out other believers when we feel they're acting unchristian-like or doing things that don't conform to the Bible. We tend to forget that we too were and still are sinners and that everyone is open to the tactics of the enemy and gossip is one of those tactics. Whether we're facing gossip among other believers or out in the rest of our society, it is important that we avoid as believers of Christ being pulled into it. And more importantly, that we attempt it from being spread it. Gossip hurts people in so many ways. I'm sure if I asked for a show of hands right now on the impact of gossip, I'm sure there'd be nobody with their hand left down saying, I have been unimpacted by somebody speaking about me. Smaller chatter among friends can quickly explode into much larger conversation, overheard by others not directly involved in the conversation. 
Many times the stuff being talked about is only speculation with actual no, with, without actual proof. And even if there is proof and it is a true story, no good, no change, no transformation will ever come from a discussion where that person is not involved in the conversation. As Christians, we must always use our words with the same loving intention that Jesus would have used. We must always avoid using our words to hurt or break down others. Our words should be always used to build others up and encourage them, edify them and speak life over them. And when we have the chance, we should use them to teach others to do the same. So what is the spirit behind gossip? Why do so many people gossip about one another? Why do we do this? While gossip isn't something new, the tabloids and the media have made it more acceptable to talk about others and to call out others on their faults. We use it even in humour. But we must remember that these are still the tools of the enemy and not what God's asked us to do in his word as believers with our words. Oftentimes, just like those who bully others, gossip is used to make someone feel better about themselves. It says more about the person delivering it than it does about the person being spoken about. It is intended to make themselves look better to make, while making somebody else look bad. And for those who fuel gossip, who carry it and pass it on, drama llamas, as my tween girl life group loves to call this behaviour, people who thrive on drama and spreading drama. So we have a mantra in our tween girl life group that we will not be drama llamas. We won't thrive on it. We won't <gasps> about it. You too can live free of being a drama llama today in the house of God. Come on. It works with 11-year-olds, trust me. Uh, this behaviour, which is the person who passes heard gossip on to someone else, is a scandalous conversation, is so much more interesting because it, it makes their life seem more interesting than what it actually is. The reality is that many who gossip are simply so bored and not content in their own lives, lacking purpose, that they need the drama and the scandal to live vicariously through another person's life. Regardless of the why, gossip destroys people's lives. It destroys self-esteem. It destroys relationships. It makes ones lose trust in them. It destroys families, and ultimately, it destroys futures. And gossip is... Completely, just in case there's anybody going, but what about in this situation? Gossip is completely against God's word for believers. There isn't a time in our life where engaging in it could be a godly action in any way. I'm going to go into that a little bit later, but what about if I'm concerned about or I go to another believer and we are going to pray about together. We'll tackle that shortly. The main spirit behind gossip is really simple. It's not a word we often use in church, but it's called malice. His name is malice. 
It's not a word we hear often, but that's why we practice it so much, because he doesn't get a lot of airplay. What we're talking about gets a lot of airplay. Maybe that's why we practice it. It's one of those hidden sins we love to hold on to, not realising just how much we do it and just how much it affects our lives and the lives of the others in our world. It made me realise while I was preparing this message just how often, because this is where it comes from, malice seems like a fairly nice word until you get the action behind it. It made me realise just how often I think hurtful or hateful things about others. This is where the spirit of gossip comes from. When you ponder and think on hurtful or hateful things in the word of God. Do you know there's a story in the Bible right at the very beginning, there's not that many people on the planet and two brothers, Adam and Eve's sons, bring an offering to God. And one of the offerings is acceptable to God, but the other one isn't. Often that's all we hear about that story if you've been around church for a little while. If you haven't, Cain and Abel bring offerings. Abel's is acceptable, Cain's isn't. But this is what Cain did. The Bible describes it that he went away and he stewed over, he pondered over, his brother, as opposed to the last conversation that he had, which was with God. If you read your word, the last conversation that Cain had was with God, who said, it's okay. If you go away and uh, uh, prepare it again, bring it back to me and I'll accept it. But what he did is walked away and pondered on his brother. In other parts of the Bible, in Proverbs, it says we lie in our beds thinking vengeance. I was so challenged when I read that because I've never thought that I think vengeance. Hmm. What about the, oh, I wish I'd had the words. If I'd known in the moment, I would have said, if I was just a little bit quicker. If I'm having that thought pattern away from the conversation, I'm pondering vengeance in my bed. We do it all the time. The spirit behind gossip is malice. The intent to harm out of hurtful or hateful thoughts. Hurtful or hateful thoughts. Conversation about somebody else of a negative slant when they're not in our presence, cannot come from any other spirit. It cannot come from a pastoral care conversation. It cannot come up in a life group about the behaviour in somebody else and so we're going to get together and pray. If God has laid somebody on your heart because he's revealed something to you, could be for various reasons, could be because God needs an army of believers, faithful believers to be standing in the spiritual realm, fighting in the spiritual realm for the attack of the enemy that is against and the assignment on this person's life. 
could be that you're highly prophetic and you're seeing into spaces that are quite hidden and well disguised under beautiful makeup and clothing that God has showed you, but the Bible is really clear on what it is you're supposed to do and how to deal with it. It will never, ever be in God's plan to go and have a conversation with somebody not involved in that, ever. Ever. I see so many hurtful and hateful things in the way I have thought in the past when I was prepping this message and I was reminded of times where I too have stewed in my bed or recounted conversations and wished I'd said things in different ways to be more clever or to trump or whatever. But I see so much motivation for malice within our society today. It comes out in road rage, in open hostility on TV and radio talk shows, in social media, in thousands of the memes that we scroll past and like. Backbiting and one-upmanship behaviour is everywhere. The term malice can be defined as having an intent to harm and is usually associated with printed or spoken words that defame someone's character and accuse or expose them to cause public humiliation. With malice comes the need to control others. And at the centre of that is a proud, arrogant spirit that often gives us a false sense of superiority over others. It is the seat of spite and ill will. Pastor Tony Kavanagh identified malice as the intent to harm, as the major culprit behind gossip and backbiting, not only as the driving force behind why most offended believers leave churches, but he recognised that the person who starts it as not the worst affected, but those who are spoken to as they leave because of seeds of doubt and division sowed into their hearts and spirits that would never have been there had they not been spoken to. And often the offender, he goes on to say, often the offender will uh, get over or grow through what they spoke about and never consider the destruction they have done in others that they have spoken to. Is there anybody else who can honestly say this morning that they've had somebody come back to them and said, do you know, I'd really love to apologise for that time I gossiped to you about? Anybody? No takers? I haven't either. I have never, ever had somebody come and write where they have sowed. I'm going to be really honest. I don't know that I have done that when I have done it gone back and righted the seeds of doubt or division that I have sown. Can you see that this, this thing that is going around our churches and our society is seen as so low down the scale in the sin scale, and you know what I'm talking about in the sin scale. Everybody's got a sin scale. You know, the ranking of what sins are worse than the other. We all have it. I'd love to challenge each and every one of you, if you would like to know what sins rank where, go and spend five hours and have a listen to C.S. Lewis's Mere Christianity and have a little listen to how God ranks what sins. We might be surprised by the seven deadlies. Five of them come from our lips. They're not the sins of the flesh. 
the spiritual sins. I, I was sharing this with our creative directors this week, this book, whole nother message. I know, I've deviated, but the sins of our flesh affect our flesh, which in reality have a lifespan of our flesh. The spiritual sins that we commit, this is one of them if you haven't guessed it, affect our spiritual life, which I'm hoping my spiritual life has a lot more years than my natural life. It affects my intimacy with God, and yet I'm hoping to spend a lot of years with God. It affects how I hear his voice while I'm talking about somebody else's. The sins, spiritual sins affect the lifespan of our spiritual life. And then the greatest sin of all, I asked multiple people while prepping this message this week, if I got you to yell it out, I bet you 90% of the room would say what they did, blaspheming the Holy Spirit. It's not the greatest sin of all. One sin, one sin saw the situation that we're living in today with a good side and an evil side. In the spiritual realm, one sin, the greatest sin of all, the sin that when we question with our faith, what could lead me away from faith with God? This sin. Most of us would probably go sexual sin, right? Here's just a really big statement right here to throw out. All sin is sexual sin. It's for your pleasure. What sin do you not do that isn't for your pleasure? Which is crazy. So then what is the greatest sin of all? Pride. The fact of thinking that I don't have any. That I am above Surah because of my walk with Jesus. Because my sin is less than her sin. Pride. Pride is what separated Lucifer from God and he was cast out of heaven for it. Pride that I could be like or greater than God, that I could be like or greater than Henry, that I could be like greater than Gray, that I could be like greater than Brody. Pride. The minute I put myself in a position of saying my sin is less than Brianna's, I am literally doing what Satan did with God. And yet we do it all the time when I say, Brianna, just I'm really concerned about Taya. You know, we should probably get together and pray about it. And I've just put myself above my sister who's walking a journey with Jesus with me, like me. So... If this is the spirit behind, if this is the spirit behind it, just in case you're not convinced yet, Jesus did address this in the New Testament. There was a group of people who acted like this, who spoke like this. They were the believers of God. They were the religious leaders of the day. Has anybody read the Gospels and realized that some of the people who missed it the most, that Jesus was there in the flesh walking, was the 
the people who knew of God the most. So we can't be saying, this is for somebody else. This is for me. This is for me. Somebody who knows God, who follows him, who loves him, who, who worked, whose whole life is devoted for. I can't miss this. Jesus addressed this when he spoke about them. He pulled no punches. He called them whitewashed tombs, all polished and pristine on the outside, but full of rotting men's bones inside. I wouldn't want to be spoken like that in person or behind somebody's back. There's no place for malice in the heart of a true child of God. We need to be willing to be humble and confess to God that we struggle with it and ask for forgiveness for forgiveness for it and his help to remove and eradicate it from our lives. Satan loves to use this tool with us. He knows our weaknesses and that of others and he uses gossip in a way to enable us to do his dirty work for him. So how are we supposed to respond to gossip? Because just because a message is being preached about it today and we're being challenged about it because this message is for me. Just because this is happening does not mean that when the service is finished today, that it's gone. The spirit of malice is everywhere. So how are we to respond to it as believers? As Christians, we should respond to gossip in the same way that we are called to respond to everything else in this life, with Jesus as the forefront and in our hearts. We should always be mindful and disciplined and intentional with everything that comes out of our mouths at all times. We should always be alert to the tactics of the enemy, which would easily encourage us to participate in gossip without realising it. We must always, like in every other area of our lives, be alert to the tactics of the enemy. We must always check ourselves because, unfortunately, we are most at risk of falling, falling victim to his tactics. Those who seek to build the kingdom are the ones the enemy will always try to recruit to destroy it. So there are four powerful ways in which we as Christians should respond to gossip. Number one, mind your own words. This message is for me. Mind your own words. In an age where talking about others' faults seems to be encouraged by the media, it is important that we make sure we are being mindful of our words and the, the words that come out of our mouths. When we speak, it should always be with love and encouragement and edification and on him, things that glorify him and never with something that could hurt somebody else. Discouraging a culture of gossip starts with our own tongues. What we allow to come out of our mouth matters on so many levels. We always hear about using our, wor our words for encouragement and to build up others, but we have to activate this as a norm in our lives. Every single person has to activate this for it to eradicate a spirit of malice. In this church, it requires all of us, all of us, to act and to safeguard what we allow to come out of our mouths for, we, for us to deal with this spirit here. 
So we should ask ourselves the question, is this going to help the person that I am speaking about? Are they present or is it hurtful? And before you say that when something doesn't qualify as helpful, it isn't automatically hurtful, it is absolutely one or the other. It's either helpful or it's hurtful. It can't be a combination of the two. Okay, because what you speak out loud is heard by others. Others will, in their own idle intentions, hear it differently than the way you articulated it. And when they hear something that isn't absolutely helpful about another, it can quickly become something hurtful, adding their own agenda. Ephesians 4.29 says, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. So it's not just for the person, it's for those others who are hearing this information. James 1.26 says, those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues, deceive themselves and their religion is, what? And their religion is worthless. Proverbs 21, 23 says, the one who guards his mouth and tongue keeps himself out of trouble. When you engage in conversation with others, sharing your thoughts and the recap of the day's events, make sure that what comes out of your mouth is always helpful. When speaking about another person, if it could in any way cause them harm or the listener harm, directly or indirectly, don't say it. Don't say it. You don't have to say everything you think. And if you are in God's word, you will find what you think changes, particularly about his creation. You and the person sitting beside you. Number two, acknowledge that it is gossip. We have to do this as believers. We have to acknowledge this is gossip. This is not conversations. There is no such thing as a middle ground conversations. Jesus described the words coming out of our mouth as life or death. If you're in between, it's a really bad place. They're either going to let you go or they're going to get the paddles out and to bring you back. This is not a good place to be in. It's a really sick place. So the words out of our mouth have to be life or death. So every time we speak, it's coming out as life or death. I view it as a way that you're depositing. We're always sowing something. And so I have the option to be sowing death, to be making people sick and seeing people need to be hospitalized elsewhere maybe. If most people who leave churches are offended because of gossip, they're often going to other churches as hospitals. Sitting, and how many times have we heard it? I was really hurt in my last church. Do you know that's not always necessarily that they were the target of the hurt? They were hurt because of the atmosphere of the spirit. It was not a safe place. That's not going to be the case in this house. 
We're going to carry the Spirit of God in this house. I want people to walk in here on Sundays and to walk out feeling 10 times taller. I want them to walk out going, I didn't know that about my identity in Christ, but now I do. I want them to walk in and be questioning like we all do our purpose. Are my giftings this? I don't know where God wants me. And a walk out with clarity and direction. That's what our words are. Life means to be able to move forward and grow and in health. That's our job. That's what our words are to be used for. Life, 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 life. The first step in responding to gossip as a Christian is to acknowledge that the conversation is gossip. Many times we find ourselves in the middle of conversation, then it takes a sudden turn. What starts as general chatter, maybe about an event or something like that, can often turn really quickly, did you know that this happened? Or I heard this about conversations. Or in church, I'm really concerned about. I'm not sure what to do about, so can I bump it off you for wisdom and advice? I'm not going to go into today the other level that we do in regards to talking about the body of Christ and leadership. If you would like to know what God says about this with our lips, go and read about Miriam. Miriam, in the word of God, was the leader's sister. And she had a conversation with her brother. You wouldn't want the consequences. <laughs> but that is what happens because we sow life or we sow death. We sow life or we sow death. In every situation, we need to sow life. It's always used to shame someone and to discredit them. Or maybe, maybe, this is, gossip is often used like this, it's just simply to know other people's business. Either of these should be, you should get, a, uh, e either of these should give you a clear sign that you are about to be enticed into a malicious spirit of gossip. Don't let yourself be drawn in. Proverbs 18, 8 says, listen to gossip like, e uh, listening to gossip is like eating cheap candy. Do you really want junk like that in your belly? I love it from the message version. 1 Timothy 5.13 says, At the same time, they also learn to be idle, going from house to house. They are not only idle, but are also gossips and busybodies, saying things that they shouldn't say. One, uh, saying things they shouldn't say. 1 Timothy 3.11 says, In the same way, the women are to be worthy of respect, not malicious talkers, but temperate and trustworthy in everything. Proverbs 11.9 says, With their mouths the godless destroy their neighbours, but through knowledge the righteous escape. So how do we escape? Number three, we confront gossip and we shut it down. We shut it down. Once you've realised that you are in a conversation like this that is in fact gossip, you have two options. You can ignore it and walk away or remain silent, or you can confront it and shut it down. Okay, I guess like that was heresy. You only actually have one option. If you are truly wanting to respond 
as a Christian should. As followers of Christ, walking away and ignoring a slanderous or gossipy conversation is really no better than engaging in the conversation. When we don't attempt to stop the discussion we are in, we are in essence keeping the fire going. A gossip simply needs to share it to be satisfied, not for you to carry it on. Instead, we should find a way to confront it and stop it from happening again. Do you know, I do this with our tween life group. If you're starting to question what our tween life group is about, it's actually about how to do godly friendships well. That's what we do. We are doing Michelle Mitchell's resilience journey and we are doing how to do friendships well in a godly way. So I have armed the girls with a strategy when they find themselves in a conversation of gossip. And if you are here today and you've had me say this line to you, I'm really sorry. (laughs) No, I'm not. (laughs) I'm not. I would love to arm you all with a line that I use. I say to our girls, in these conversations, you should push back with truth, not meanness. Don't act the same. Don't get angry. Push back with truth. That's what we're called to do as Christians is to push back the forces of the enemy. So I say we push back with truth. And so I have a line I use all the time. I say, it's just a question. I say, I don't think this conversation is a healthy or godly conversation. Do you? So I'm putting it back on the person. I don't think that this conversation is healthy, is beneficial, is godly. Do you? Do you know, it doesn't take bravery to do this. It takes God's people to do this. It takes people who are going to take on the commandments, the first commandments, where God says, love me above all else and love one another. Do you know the Bible also says that the world will know our love for him based on our Love for one another. I'm not here on Sunday so that we can put on a beautiful service so that I can say, I went to church, tick. I heard a great service, tick. I got a sausage at the sausage sigil, tick. I got to eat with my friends, tick. We are here and our doors are open so that our community can see our love for one another so that they meet him. So they can trust that when they come in here, we are going to direct them with our words, with our hearts, with our intentions to him in a safe place. That they're going to be able to come in with their mess, with their addictions, in their relationships that don't look like the words, like the word of God says. They're going to come in and we're not, I'm not talking about somebody who is looking in appearance like they're at the rock bottom, that maybe they're homeless or they're on drugs or, you know, their wife has left them and they have nothing. I'm talking about people are going to walk in here who out there look quite happy, living the way they are, but there's something missing. And you and I need to be safe places to walk with them and journey with them. Which 
since I've unpacked then the sin ranking of God compared to ours, which most of us, I would say, would probably have sexual sin right up here. Am I right? We need a God perspective on how he sees us and how he sees this community. What he would do when he says, I will never leave you and forsake you, that means he is with us. So what do we do? How do we love? With them. With them. I'm not going to leave you. I know that things are a mess. I know that you're still getting revelation, but I'm going to walk with you. I'm going to walk with you and I'm going to speak life and identity over your world. I'm not going to speak about the evident sin or the not evident sin. I'm going to challenge you to continue to open your heart to God and allow him to do a good work. But it might not be in the order that I want it to be done. (laughs) Because his ways are perfect, not my ways. Proverbs 26, 20 says, without a wood, a fire goes out. Without a gossip, a quarrel dies down. Exodus 23, 1 says, do not spread false reports. Do not help a guilty person of being a malicious witness. Proverbs 10, 19 says, sin is not ended by by multiplying words, but the prudent hold their tongue. If you are among mostly non-believers, they're are going to be some more subtle ways in which you can shut down gossipy conversation without causing an even bigger fire. Change the subject. Change the subject. When we get together with a group of others, start talking about something else. Usually gossip comes about by talking about something else, and it's led this way. But do you know what? I've always found when I was working in secular fields, I've I've worked in some of the most gossipy, backbiting industries in my time, particularly when they're flooded with females. And girls, I'm talking to you, there's a reason why there's a verse there just for us. (laughs) It doesn't actually have a male verse specifically. It's for everybody, but there's one in there for the girls. I have never found that gossip can continue when you hear a bad report and you speak a positive one into it, ever. So when somebody brings you a bad report of somebody in the, in the marketplace or the world, why don't you speak about something incredible about that person right there? Declare something great, something you know about them that is exceptional. Shut it down by speaking words of life about the person who has been brought up. It's an easy strategy in our community, in our world who don't know Jesus yet. Number four, as we close this morning, I want to pose that one of the most important things we do in pushing back against gossip is to turn gossip temptation into an opportunity for prayer. Prayer is ultimately the answer in all of our situations, regardless of what it is that you've been made aware of, that that the Holy Spirit has highlighted in you. Whatever it is, remind yourself that whatever that thing is that is bothering you about that person, that prayer is so much more helpful than idle chatter or gossip. Because at the end of the day, isn't that what we are called to do for one another? We are called to lift one another up, to uphold and to cover one another with prayer. 
to use our our words to build them up, not just in the flesh, but in the spiritual realm. And the best way to build them up is through prayer. Let's not forget to ask God to help us as well in the midst of our turmoil that we might be feeling about a person. The Word of God says that we should even pray for our enemies. So regardless of what it is that you're feeling about somebody else, prayer is your answer. Psalm 141.3 says, Set a guard over my mouth, Lord. Keep watch over the door of my lips. That is my prayer that each and every one of us would catch that as the message for our lives today because this message is for, it's for me. I pray that that's what you catch this morning as we've spoken about this elephant in the room, talking about, talking about it. I pray that we set a guard over our mouths and let the Lord keep a watch over the door of our lips. 2 Timothy 2.16 says, Avoid godless chatter because those who indulge in it become more and more ungodly. More and more ungodly. I pray that that never becomes the case for any one of us here today. That we would consecrate our lives and our lips to God, our conversations, and even the thoughts that we sit and stew on that we would consecrate them in such a way that it would not lead in our lives to more ungodliness as we operate in a spirit of malice. I'm gonna ask each of you to stand in this place today because this message was for, so we're all responding. Christians, we're called to use our words in a very specific way, with love. The Bible is abundantly clear on how God feels about those who gossip, spread lies or use their words to hurt and harm others and spread malice among the believers or the community. But I'm gonna pray today that that stops here in this house, that it's got no place You know, when we speak out in the spiritual realm and say things you must flee, the enemy must listen. He has to. So I'm gonna pray for each and every one of us. And if you are feeling led today, I'm gonna just ask you to lift your hands and say, God, would you deal with this in my life? Would you speak to me about the areas or reveal to me the areas where I'm doing it and I'm not even aware that I'm doing this in my world? Right now, Father, You see beautiful hands, our ears even as it comes out. Why? Because your truth wants to settle in our spirits and our hearts this morning. You want to do a deep work in each of us because you hate gossip. You hate malice. You hate backbiting. You don't like it when it's done obviously and you don't like it when it's dressed up. So right now, God, we surrender our our words and our thoughts about others to you right now. Would you just get in on that space and fill our mouths with your word, with life, with identity, with purpose. Fill our mouths with the prophetic 
to speak life over, to align to Your Word in love and edify. Fill our spirits, God, to overflowing with Your Word so that is what overflows out every time we open our mouths. But right now, God, we take a moment to humbly say, we've done it wrong so many times. And we're sorry. We're sorry. We're sorry. We repent. Would you remove the stain of this out of our lives? And in the name of Jesus Christ, the spirit of it, off our lives, out of our churches. God, we give you free reign to do what you've got to do in our lives, to see your body speaking the way you want us to speak about you and about others. Loving them in a way that stands out to the world but they won't be able to help but to rush in and say, I need this in my life. In your precious name, amen, 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 amen. Do you know, if you've walked in here today and this is your first Sunday, this is a big deal. If it's your first Sunday and that was your first message, whoa. (laughs) But if you have, maybe you've been brought by a friend and you're not walking in a relationship with Jesus, you know about God because you hear about Him. A friend maybe invited you. You've listened in the message. You go, okay, this is different. This is different. Do you know God loves you so very much? His plan for your life is amazing. And it is, it's got hope. It's got love. It's a safe place when other areas of your world have felt depressed, anxious, unsafe. God is a safe place for your world. He loves you. He created you. But do you know what? You might not know this today. He died for you so that living without the constant battle and oppression of sin that is so evident in our world, it doesn't have to be your future. You can walk into freedom in Jesus. And so if you're in our service today and you go, you know what? I'd like to take this step. I don't know all the answers about it yet. I don't have all of the information, but I don't want to do life without God in my life anymore. I just want to give you an opportunity to respond and I'm going to come after the service and I'm going to pray with you. If there's anybody in the service who says, that's me, I'm going to begin a life with Jesus. As all eyes are closed, I'm just going to ask you, would you just respond by just slipping up your hand so I can see you? just while I am looking out here. That's why we do this, so I can see. Is there anybody in our service that says, that's me. I wanna start my relationship or in a journey with Jesus today. And I wanna take this first step. Is there anyone as I look across? Okay. Do you know if you have, if you feel that and you still wanna do this after the service, please come up and have a chat to Gray or I. We would love to help you take your first step with Jesus. Believers, we have some new actions to do and some new words to say this week. Can we do that? We can because this message was for, right? So you're armed with stuff. You're armed with stuff. You know, the Word of God will give you words to say. If you are lacking words to say, because all you have filled your conversations with is those sorts of conversations and you need a new dialogue, open your Bible, get a new dialogue. 
you can do that this week. I'd love to encourage you to have the most amazing...